The next question is from George T. In one of your tapes from Explorer series, Male Female Pr uh, Principles Within the Self, and there's a link to this uh, tape, I understand that the Explorer series is available now, and a link will be included in the description when Justin puts up the description. You said that more non-physical entities will start interacting with and helping humans in the near future in preparing for an upcoming big event, geological changes that will occur on our planet. These changes are like attractions for non-physical entities. The seats of a circus are starting to fill up. He quotes, are these changes related to consciousness evolution? Are they aimed at lowering entropy of the human race? That was a long, long time ago. Okay, that was like um, 50 years ago or so. We did an interview, Altered States of America, in yeah. which you discussed some of the things that you I, saw in the future. But I if did. you can remember some of the um, incidents that were in yeah. that tape. Okay. Oh, I, oh, yeah, I remember all of it very clearly, just because it was a long time ago. It doesn't, uh, as you get older, your long-term memory stays. It's a short-term memory you start having tr trouble with. You know, like, uh, that's the... Anyway, yes, I remember that very clearly. Um, I don't actually remember saying those words that you quoted, but uh, sort of do. Um, at that time, those earth changes that I saw were big earthquake-type changes, shifts in Teutonic plates. And those were... Uh, Supposed to happen somewhere in, I think, the, the um, middle 1980s. Now, this was like early 1970s. We're talking about 71, 72, 73 is when I was making a lot of those tapes. It was the early 70s. So this is a decade away or so from us, uh, probably a decade and a half away to mid, mid to late 80s. And that's when they were supposed to happen. And... Yes, there was a lot of interest in that because that seemed to be what was coming out of the Probable Future database for a lot of people, not just me. I saw that in the Future Probable Databases. That was likely that in about you know a decade and a half, uh, we would have some major earthquakes, and I did indeed see. Um, uh, you know, I watched it as a picture. I watched some of these things in a, the uh, the what's called the the what. American, North American plate, you know, the front, the eastern edge of it dropped, big tidal waves. There was a big earthquake out on the west coast of that plate, too, from the Pacific plate. And the American plate uh, had a had a shifting of each other. But anyway, I, I looked at it, looked at it in detail, saw the things that happened and, and so on. And at that time, if you go back to the early 70s, you'll see that a lot of other people saw similar things. And I don't think I was seeing them because I had heard it from other people. I think I saw it first before I rec before I noticed that other people had seen this, the same things. Well, that was the information that I got out of the future probable database. Well, that's just a probable database. It's not something that has to happen. And yes, it, uh, you know, there is a connection between consciousness and the physical world because the physical world is a product of consciousness. The physical world is really not physical at all. It's a 
virtual reality created by consciousness. So there's a there's a very strong correlation between consciousness and and the uh, virtual reality that consciousness creates. That didn't happen. The 80s came and went and went into the 90s and none of that happened. Of course, there were earthquakes here and there and so on, but the event that, that I and others had seen never happened that way. It, the, the probability for that changed. Now, I can ask myself, was that a... Uh, was it really that probable that that was going to happen? And did the larger conscious system see that probability coming and before it happened, it just changed that? You know, it's a virtual reality. It can change that if it wishes. You know, it can just take those stresses that are in Teutonic plates because of the rule set and just erase it, delete it. Reduce the pressure, put in new values there. It could do that if it wanted to, and that just went away. So that could have happened that the system saw that just, you know, coming up in the probable future, just as we saw it, because we see it because it sees it. You know, it's its prob it's it it owns the database. And then it just made it not happen because that would not have been in our best interest at the time of our growth where we were just beginning to pick up speed in our understanding of our purpose here and so on. And it thought, oh, what an inopportune time, you know, to have this big, uh, this big disaster. So maybe that disaster was just defused by the system. Or maybe the system just sent us that information, put that information in the database just as a fear test. So that when we looked at it, did we get all wound up around, oh, no, you know, the we're going to have all these terrible things going to happen. Now, where should I be? Do I need to be in a safe zone? And where are the safe zones? And, you know, that's like the people all going out into the desert waiting for the you know UFO to come or waiting for the world to end. You know, would we uh, get all wrapped up in our fear? And it could have been just a fear test. So you never know for sure. That's why you always have to be skeptical always have to be skeptical it could have just been a fear test that was you know everybody that could read that date out of the database everybody that could get those movies and look at them there were a lot of people all over all over the world saw the same sort of things happening in the same sort of way because i know what i saw was my personal visions and things that i saw what was going on and they matched up pretty well about what dozen other people saw from all different parts of the planet. So I think the data was there. I don't think we were all just picking up, you know, things out of the out of the blue. But exactly how that played out and why, I don't know. The system could have just diffused that disaster because it was bad timing. <laughs> the rule set. That's the way the rule set had it going, but it just wasn't good timing for consciousness, so consciousness could just, and after all, it's just a virtual reality. All it has to do is change a few numbers, and oops, that pressure isn't there anymore. You know, the pressure just got reduced. It just changes a little data in the system. The whole system so it would, is, create, it, it would have created more high entropy than, than low entropy. So yes. well, right that's in the a, possibility. Yeah, right. That would have been a high entropy thing. It would have been very a very poor time 
just as the humanity was in the beginning stages of getting itself together and starting to grow some to have a big um, thing like that, just because that's the way the rule set said the pressures and so on were building up, probably wasn't in the best interest of the LCS. And it is a virtual reality, so it can make those things change. It could have been a fear test. I give that a little less likely of a possibility, but it could have been a fear test because during those times, a lot of people were getting twisted up around fears of all sorts, you know, and uh, having to deal with those fears uh, maybe would be a a good thing. But yes, so I did see that, and uh, there did seem to be a fair number of entities that were also kind of attracted to this this happening, it was like, look, look at the, look at the earth, look what's going to happen. That's going to be interesting. Boy, that's going to throw a monkey wrench in the works, isn't it? You know, so there was a lot of interest going on in what was going to happen, but then it just didn't happen. For whatever reason, it just didn't happen at all. So I don't know whether that was shifted to the future or whether it just was taken away. But since it's a virtual reality, it's very easy for the system to control that kind of thing because that kind of thing doesn't show. It can deal with that and nobody would ever know. So it's entirely inside of uncertainty. Earthquakes are very uncertain things. And with all that uncertainty, it can make that manipulation and nobody would know that any manipulation was ever made. So it doesn't interfere with the, with the integrity of the virtual reality at all. And would the system do that? You know, a, a comet or some big uh, asteroid is headed and is going to impact with the, you know, with the Earth and create a, you know, a, a winter. It's put so much dust and debris into the air that the sun doesn't shine on the Earth for a long time. So everything dies, you know. Well, would the system just let that happen? No, it's here. This is, a, this is an entropy reduction trainer, right? It has a purpose and things like that. Hap, you know, would come up just because of the rule set, the system would tend to just make that thing disappear before anybody saw it. So that's very possible that it works that way. Thank you, Tom. It's an inside job there. Um, <laughs> question, next question from Pateria on meditation and ego. I've been working on establishing a steady meditation project practice for some time. I find it a struggle, but I feel I had made some progress recently when I realized that I needed to stop fighting my mind all the time and that I should just sit back and watch instead. That was a new viewpoint for me. However, a few days ago, I woke up in a very low mood, besieged by a feeling of anxiety and hopelessness. I soon found myself going over regrettable incidents in my life, and feeling emotionally overwhelmed and sobbing over them. The whole thing was very draining, and it was also such a strange experience because it was very intense and unusual for me to go through a whole day like that. The next morning I woke early, and it hit me that the whole thing was a kind of ego rebound to stop me from making progress with meditation and developing some inner stillness. This realization wasn't arrived at by any intellectual process. It just came like a bing in the inbox. Of course, afterwards, I questioned myself, is the ego really like an entity that will try to sabotage us 
and prevent our attempts to let go of its grip on us? <laughs> yes, indeed it is. That ego is, is there because of fear. And that fear will fight back. You know, if you have fear, and, and uh, obviously you do have some fear from the things you were saying, then that fear will struggle to maintain its hold on you. It will push back. And yes, uh, you know, you see that fear in terms of ego. Well, yes, it does. It it pushes back. So I go through your through the reading when you realize that you needed to stop fighting all the time and just sit back and watch. That was a great idea. Yes, of course. You know, it's that's that is the point. You can't use your intellect to you know, to let go of your intellect. Using your intellect to let go of your intellect so that you can stay in a meditation without thought. You know, thinking about using your, your thoughts to force thoughts away is not going to be productive. So you can't struggle with that. You have to just let it go. You have to just watch, yes, just be, just be. And then when those thoughts come in, push them away. So that was good. That was a very good uh, uh, event. But then that was followed by this, uh, you know, anxiety and hopelessness feeling. And yes, indeed, that could have been your ego, your fear, pushing back and saying, yeah, okay, well, you figured that one out, but what about this? Look at all these terrible things and, and feelings that you've had in your life and so on. Well, I can see some negativity towards self there. You know, you contain some some uh, some uh, negative feelings towards yourself, some feelings of of uh, not being good enough, feelings that you're not up to what you should be, and those negative feelings then is the fundamental fear that you're working with. Same with Giuseppe when he was he talked with him a little later, that fear of being inadequate, that fear of not being good enough, that fear of being unworthy, that is a major fear that the very large majority of us walking around on this planet have that fear. It's not like that makes you unique. That's you and a lot of other people have that fear. It's a very common, a very common fear. And, and that fear will come back. And what you had when you woke up with that low mood and anxiety was that fear saying, yes, you are a problem. You are, you know, uh, not good enough. Look at all these facts. Look at all this stuff where you weren't good enough. See, that's the truth. Deal with it. Accept it. You're just not good enough. You're not as good as you think you should be. You're not who you want to be. And that was the fear just reasserting itself. Fear does push back. And you have to be aware of that as you push fear away, because as you let go of that fear, expect it to push back. And you just have to 
stay strong against that. And if you expect it, so you didn't expect it. So you were overwhelmed by it because you didn't expect it. Had you been aware enough to expect that that would push back when it did, you could have just brushed it off and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I realize I'm not perfect, but I'm working on that. I'm growing up. I'm lowering my entropy. I'm raising my quality. That's what I'm doing here. No. Yes, I've done all sorts of things that I'm not so proud of. That's not the point. The point is, I'm growing up now. I'm learning. I'm growing. So sit down and be quiet. I don't need any, you know, negative voices in the cheering section. I only need positive voices. And you could have dismissed it like that. Just dismissed it. It's not useful. It's not helpful. Now, if you went back over some things in your life where fear had made your choices, this inadequacy was making your choices, and you realized that, and you said, oh, yeah, gee, a lot of my choices have been made because of this feeling of not being good enough or, or uh, you know, not having enough quality or whatever. Those have made a lot of my choices. And if you looked at that and let that give you um, what can I say? Let that uh, give you strength to change it. Say, okay, I'm going to stop making choices because of that fear. I'm not going to let this feeling of inadequacy make my choices for me anymore. And then when you feel yourself making a choice for that reason, you stop yourself. Say, I don't want to be that way. And eventually you won't. And eventually the fear will go away, although it will... It will lunge at you. It will show itself to be big and ugly. It will try to convince you to withdraw from your effort. So it's almost like your fear has a life of itself and wants to stay. But that's not really the way it is. That's just a metaphor. It seems like that fear is a demon you have to wrestle. But it isn't really. It's just a belief that you are inadequate. And as you start moving that way, that belief comes back and says, and starts telling you that, well, you are inadequate. You do have these problems. And it's a belief you need to get rid of. So it's not really that this fear is a monster of some sort that you need to, you need to duel with. It's just a belief you need to let go of. But that belief will reassert itself as you start letting go of it. Just persevere, push through it, dismiss it, tell that you're not interested in all that stuff. Yeah, I used to feel that way, but I'm not, I'm not staying in this space anymore. I'm outgrowing you, fear. And that's will eventually work. If you have that in your mind for long enough, it'll disappear. The fear will disappear, and you'll be free of it. So, yes, that is exactly what you got. It popped into your mind. It's exactly the way it was. That was your fear coming back. That was your belief in your inadequacy coming back and pushing you. So you have to overcome that. Push it away. Say, no. Yeah, okay. Maybe I used to be like that, but not anymore. I'm changing. I'm growing up. I'm outgrowing that. So go back in your hole and stay there. Well, that doesn't really get rid of the belief, but if you do that enough, it will get rid of the belief. So would you say you're only as good as your next good choice? Your quality, <laughs> your, your quality kind of recalculates 
and yeah. uh, upgrades to yeah, every good new choice, huh? That's the thing. You just keep okay. focused on every choice and don't let fear make your choices. Make good choices, choices that, that lower entropy. So keep making good choices and the fear will eventually just go away, dissipate. Keep a positive attitude. Don't let that right. negativity get you down. Thank you, Tom. Our next question is from In the Clouds. Um, does the LCS ever delete a lifetime if it is not being used or remembered by an IUOC? For example, let's say you have a, a life eons and eons ago, millions of lifetimes ago even. Is it possible to revisit a lifetime that long ago in the database as the IUOC? Or does the system delete it if it isn't being used or remembered? Let's say you had a really wonderful experience with another IUOC, but many lifetimes and eons ago go by after that experience. Also, is that data of that experience stored in each of the IUOCs for eternity, even if it's not being revisited consciously by the IUOCs? I would think yes, because the experiences are what help shape the quality of consciousness a current IUOC has even in the experience with I was eons ago. Yes. I'll read that last question again. If it's, no, no, is that okay? No. All right. Yeah, I got okay, it. Okay, good. All right. I got it. Uh, yes, that uh, that is so. You uh, you will retain that experience. That that experience will be a part of the IUOC. It won't be forgotten. It's like, well, that was an eon ago, so that's not pertinent. It's all it's all pertinent. <laughs> now, those older experiences are probably experiences of a lower quality of consciousness because hopefully your consciousness has been evolving over those eons. And now your consciousness is a much higher quality consciousness than it was before. So some of that older experiences will be lower quality experiences. But that doesn't mean that they didn't have some very high quality moments or some very high quality connections in them. It just meant that overall, maybe it, it uh, was a lower quality. But just all of that is retained. And that's not thrown out. So that's part of you. And there's really no reason to delete it, uh, even if it was terrible, even if you did a lot of terrible things. Well, that was part of you, and it's good to know that. Oh, I did that? Wow, I really had locality back eons ago. You know, I, I did all those things. I'm glad I don't act like that anymore. So even bad examples are valuable. So there's really no reason to uh, throw that out. I guess if you found out that for some reason it was entirely useless, you could delete it, like you spent your whole lifetime in a coma or something. You might want to delete that, but but in general, no, it's all there. It's all a part of you. All right. Um, next question is from Satori5 on differentiating trust from belief. When present in MPMR, doubt of something occurring causes it to immediately not occur. So if I doubt that I might create a door metaphor, it won't appear or it won't work. Alternatively, if I am being without any doubt and create the door from being because I am the door and then it appears and there is no difficulty using it. So trust in our own intent is vital. Yet how do we differentiate this 
from belief. Let's say I want to heal but doubt that such a thing is possible. It then probably won't happen. Yet if I trust that it will occur immediately, it seems like it will. Similarly, the difference between someone healing, someone completely, in half a second compared to someone sitting down to meditate and creating elaborate metaphors to heal seems again a matter of trusting intent. So we wouldn't say, I believe I can heal and so I do. We would say, I heal and so I do. How do we differentiate trusting ourselves from belief? There, There is actually, Tom, a revision to this question. Um, which says, last night I watched a video of Tom from one of his visits to the Monroe Institute, and from that video my question was answered. The answer is, be deeply skeptical of beliefs. We are consciousness, so all of those functions in NPMR are readily available. The only thing preventing those functions would be some lingering belief like likely associated with this PMR. The detail and use of the metaphors as a tool to focus intent in MPMR is not associated with this problem, since the problem it's soul related to the beliefs we hold. This is my interpretation and paraphrasing of what was said, so I would guess he would want you to comment on that. Doubt isn't the thing that makes the door not appearing. You know, you're confusing that with the, the doubt is your intellect getting into the process of saying, I can't do that. Okay, So your intellect getting involved in the process prevents the door from opening or the door from being created. What you're talking about isn't a matter of belief that if I believe it strongly enough, I can do it. And if I don't believe it, I'd choose to have another word is confidence. You have to have confidence in what you're doing. Confidence isn't something that you get from belief. Confidence is something you get from experience. As you have more and more experiences, they will give you confidence. Confidence in how to do something, confidence in what it means, confidence in your ability to interpret. You know, it, everything makes more sense if you have enough experience to give you confidence in that sense, which means you have to do a lot of things and assess them and decide whether that assessment, you know, said that what you got was was actual. Was it helpful? If it was like a remote view, did you get the you know did you get the right answer? Did you actually see what was in the picture? Did you see what was at those coordinates? Uh, so by doing things, you build up confidence. And if you don't have confidence, then you just need more experience. Now that's a little different than beliefs. If you are wanting to produce a door and <clears throat> your intellect says you probably can't do that just because your intellect you know, has a fear and that fear is a belief that you can't do it, then you won't be able to do it because you're not working from your intuitive level, which is how these things need to be done, is at the intuitive level, not at the intellectual level. You're letting your intellect get in the way and having a, a fear, a belief, tell you that you can't do it. And that's what you're calling your doubt. So it's not that the doubt is keeping the door from coming. It's just your fear, which puts you in an intellectual mode, keeps you from doing it. Okay, So you have to be in the 
intuitive side and you have to be in that intuitive side without fear and eventually if after enough experience with confidence so those are the ways that i would try to sort that out with the different with the different words now let's um let's go on to the second part of that donna that you read at the end the second part is um the revision part that we have um he watched a video of yours from one of the visits to the monroe institute and this was the skepticism part of it was um mm -hmm. answered um we mm -hmm. are consciousness so all of those functions in mpmr are readily available the only thing preventing those functions would be some lingering belief likely associated with this PMR. The detail and use of these metaphors as a tool to focus intent in MPMR is not associated with this problem, since the problem is solely related to the beliefs we hold. That is his interpretation and paraphrasing yeah. of what he learned from that yeah. video. I agree, and that's just basically what I said. You know, it's the fear okay. is the problem. The fear creates the belief. The belief is the problem that you can't do it. And that generally comes from here, from our experience in this, you know, with this particular avatar. So, yes, he, so I guess he, he got it right. He got the answer. All right, thank you. There is one more question that we might be able to fit in here. This is from the one on picking lottery numbers. I've been trying to improve my financial situation, cut out unnecessary costs, make more money, study the financial markets, and passive income investments, but I still feel the occasional need to play the lottery. They say every number combination has the same chances every time. So it does not matter if you pick your own numbers or have the computer randomly generate the numbers for you, called a quick pick. You seem to have a good understanding of how the probability distributions work. Should I pick my own numbers and play the same numbers every time or get randomly generated numbers from the computer and therefore play different random numbers every time. Now, I'm not sure if you're amenable to giving advice on winning the lottery, but <laughs> take, take a shot at it. Well, <clears throat> from a materialistic perspective, um, it doesn't matter whether you uh, have the computer generate the numbers or not. You know, whether you make up the numbers at any, any number, any combination, has an equal chance of winning because after all, the number that's finally picked as the winner is a random selection. So all of it selects one number randomly from all the possibilities. So you have all the, all the numbers, which who knows, what are they like 12 digit numbers or something? So if you figure how many numbers can you, you know, how many numbers can you make out of 12, you know, out of a 12, 12 digit number? Well, trillions, you can make trillions of numbers that have 12 digits, that they're all different. So it just randomly picks one of those. And the if you believe that the computer programmers did their job right, then it indeed is a random selection from all the possibilities that could be in existence. And likewise, the printers that print those little tickets that you buy at the lottery randomly prints numbers on tickets and they 
just randomly print numbers and, you know, they print tickets and randomly all until they've printed out all the numbers or at least a large percentage of them. And then they ship these out to people to sell. You know, they go out to, to 7-Elevens and other places where you buy these things. So it's all a random process. And if that computer that draws the winner does randomly draw from all the possibilities, then it doesn't matter where your numbers come from. You have just, if, if there are, you know, a trillion numbers out there, then you have one in a trillion probability of your number being drawn. There's a billion numbers. You have one in a billion or however it is. Depends on how big a number space they want to deal with. So that's your probability. It doesn't matter where the number comes from, whether you make it up, whether you, you know, divine it or something else. Okay. So that's the way the natural world works. That's the way the rule set works. So when people say that, that's because that's that's the uh, the first answer. Now, the system, of course, can pick a number because that computer that picks the random winning number, that's just a virtual computer. A virtual computer that was created by the rendering engine of this virtual reality. Because it's a virtual reality, of course, it can pick any number it wants. If it wants to, it can just let the system work however it does and be kind of random from our point of view, or it could pick a number if it wished to. Mostly, I think it wouldn't wish to. It would just be happy to let it be entirely random. So I don't think there's much you're going to do from a psychic end of getting the winning number because the winning number doesn't exist yet until it's created just a microsecond before it actually picks it and announces the winner. That winning number is, it doesn't exist until the computer is told to take a random grab from all those numbers in the number space that's in the lottery. So if the larger conscious system wants you to win, it can make you win if it wants to, but I don't think it wants to. And you can use your birthday numbers and all sorts of other numbers and your intuition and so on, and that's just another number that's in the number space. So if it's done the way it should be done, and we can guess that it probably is, then no, it doesn't make any difference where the numbers come from. If the system wants to make a certain number the winner for it thinks it's got a lesson that's going to lower entropy because of that, then any number that gets picked, whether you made the number out of your birthdays and your mother's maiden name and everything else, won't make any difference. It can pick your number no matter where it came from. So if you're thinking that the system might be picking numbers, which I would think that is unlikely, but it could, then any number would work just as well. It would know which number you have. And it could make its randomness pick your number <clears throat> since it generates all that in the virtual reality. So I think you're probably just as good with any, with any number. Now, the probability of you winning Let's say if there's just to make numbers, let's say there's a billion numbers in a number space from which they 
run this this game. It's going to have a billion numbers in, in its number space. So you have one in a billion chance of winning. Now you can use your intent to modify future probability, and perhaps you can get it to be maybe uh, only one in a million. You can maybe lower that probability some, but the methods that they use to to randomly pick that number are really hard to manipulate. But you can probably modify probability in your favor some, but I doubt it you're going to modify it that much that you get it down to you, you know, it picks your number because your intention was to pick that number. You'd have to overcome an awful lot of probability that was in your disfavor in order to do that. That would be a hard thing to do. So I think you're probably just as good to have it pick any any number as to make up make up a number, at least for most people. Now, maybe if you're a, an adept with tons and tons of, of uh, power in your intention, you could lower that a bit because the system will tend to do what's most, you know, where the biggest probability is. Well, in this case, there should be no probability, you know, for anything, any particular thing to happen. So it would be a really hard, hard thing to do to use your intent to fix it. Very hard. So anyway, uh, I don't think it makes much difference how you pick it. The way it's done and the way they do that, it's pretty fail-safe to be monkeyed with. It's pretty fail-safe, but you can use your intent. That might help a little. Well, thank you for answering that question, Tom, and good luck. Uh, thanks, everybody, for you uh, all being here, for you participating, and thank you for all your questions. They were great ones, and we'll see you next time. Tom Campbell here. I and MBT Events hope you liked this video. We now have well over a thousand hours of free video on this user-friendly, ad-free YouTube channel. Though these videos are free to our viewers, they represent many thousands of hours in production and editing, and many thousands of dollars invested in video and audio equipment, along with the required computers and software to store and process the raw video into finished products. So far, all of this content has been funded directly out of our own pockets. Be assured, we will always continue to do what we can. It's our life, our purpose, a labor of love that we will continue to pursue as best we can. However, those pockets are not as deep as they used to be. Thus, we are now seeking to augment our resources with support from our viewers. If you find something of significant value in our videos, please consider supporting their production through our Patreon account or through a one-time donation. The links are in the description below. Thank you.